Hi, and welcome to And If Love Remains. I am your host, Mike Levitt. And today we're going to talk about a book, one of my favorite books. Um, And uh, I hope that those of you who are um, listening um, will not immediately turn it off once I tell you the name of the book and uh, give this a fair listen. Um, The name of the book is The Book of Mormon. Um, It is an incredible book. Um, And I want to go talk about it in maybe a little bit different way. Um, I think too often those of us who believe the book to be a true book, uh, meaning a true history, um, spend too much time trying to prove it through different means, whether it's um, through... um, archaeology or through um, linguistics or or however one might try to quote prove a book to be true Um, and 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 that's fine like I I don't begrudge that and I think it's an interesting conversation I'd love to have that conversation more Um, but I want to take a little bit different tact which is I want to instead of talking about the book I want to talk about what's in the book and whether it has value um, for people, whether you believe a person named Lehi or a person named Nephi actually existed, um, you know, I think it's important to 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 read the book and um, at least to 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 see what value you can get from it. It's, it's interesting. We we you can think it's a complete fiction. It doesn't matter. Um, there, you know, uh, think about uh, Shakespeare and and uh, you know the Chronicles of Narnia and and the Lord of the Rings. You know, you you don't have to believe those are true. Hi- that's the true history of Middle Earth. Um, you know, uh, to believe that that what is in the book is valuable. Um, so I want to take that tact and. Um, to do that, I want to talk about one of my favorite chapters, and and you know if if, if this turns out to be pretty good, um, we might we might make this a series and talk more about it. Um, but my favorite chapter, um, I guess one of my favorite chapters in this book is in the book of Second Nephi, and it's chapter two. Um, and we're going to talk a little bit about that, but I do have to have a give a little bit of background. Um, uh, of the story, um, so you understand what's happening. Um, so um, the book the book um, claims to take place um, around 600 years before Christ. It starts in Jerusalem, where a, a, a father named Lehi um, receives a vision from the Lord that he needs to um, leave Jerusalem um, before it is destroyed, taken away. Um, into captivity um, before the people are, are captured. And so he takes his family out um, into, quote, the wilderness um, and to and uh, with the promise that the Lord will lead him to a land of promise um, where he and his family can't will not only survive but thrive and, um, and be a, a place of refuge for them. Um, and so he he obeys and they leave, um, but it doesn't come without a lot of struggle. 
um, many years of travel, um, and it's it's quite a harrowing experience for this family. Um, they go through a lot, and maybe we'll talk about that sometime. But but that's the background that you kind of need to know going into this chapter. Um, um, he has several sons, and he has two sons, I believe, um, that were actually born while they're in this wilderness adventure. Um, and, and so this is this chapter specifically, think of it, um, if you're familiar with the Bible, think of it, um, like Israel blessing, um, his children, um, before the end of his life. And this is kind of a similar thing where Lehi, this father is going to bless, um, each of his children, give them a blessing, um, and, and more of a, uh, um, uh, prophetic uh, blessing, I guess, is, is the right way to, to say it. Um, kind of give them a vision of what, not just them, but what their families and their posterity will um, will someday become. Again, similar to, to um, Jacob or Israel's um, um, blessings uh, to his children. So, um, so in this chapter, he's talking to his son, Jacob, and this is one of the children that were that was born in uh, in the wilderness, and and I'm kind of going to go through this verse by verse because um, I want to talk about Lehi as a philosopher. I think Lehi may be the greatest philosopher in the Book of Mormon um, as a, just a, a pure um, thinker. And he brings up subjects that actually resonate very clearly today when we talk about people. Um, well, we'll get into it, but I think it's, 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 you'll, you'll see how resonant it can be. So, um, he starts out and says, um, in verse one, and now Jacob, I speak unto you. Um, so he's blessing his son, Jacob, thou art my firstborn in the days of my tribulation in the wilderness and behold, in thy childhood, thou hast suffered affliction and much sorrow because of the rudeness of thy brethren. And we're going to, that that theme will come up later in this chapter, but um, one of the things I think that that Lehi is trying to do is he, he's he's acknowledging um, the hardship that the family went through, and a lot of it was self imposed um, by um, by his siblings, and uh, so he's going to explain. Um, why God allows evil to happen in the world and why he suffered and um, why uh, give, give it a more philosophical bent or more perspective on suffering, on afflictions, um, sorrow, um, why these things happen. Um, you know, we, we can, you can think about Job. Um, you can think, we can think about, uh, uh, I mean, even our, and today we can think about the, the things that have been imposed upon us, um, through the, the, um, this coronavirus pandemic and, um, you know, whether it's self-imposed or nature or whatever you want to believe or, or whatever you want to think, like it, it has been quite a hardship. And so I think this chapter speaks specifically to our day, speaks like we can apply these principles. 
So then he goes on in verse 2. Nevertheless, Jacob, my firstborn in the wilderness, thou knowest the greatness of God, and he shall consecrate thine affliction for thy gain. Okay, so he's saying, you know, you have an understanding of God. I have taught you about God, and we're going to talk about um, how these afflictions can be consecrated for thy gain, for his gain. Um, how these things can can benefit us, can benefit him. Verse 3, Wherefore thy soul shall be blessed, and thou shalt dwell safely with thy brother Nephi, and thy days shall be spent in the service of thy God. Wherefore I know that thou art redeemed because of the righteousness of thy Redeemer, for thou hast beheld that in the fullness of time he shall bring salvation unto men. Okay. I think this is an important verse. Um, he's he's saying, okay, you you're going to spend time with your brother Nephi. You're going to be safe with him, um, and you're going to spend your time in the service of God. And and he knows Lehi knows that Jacob will be redeemed. Um, and notice what he says. He says, "I know that thou art redeemed because of the righteousness of thy Redeemer." He's not saying because of what you did. He's not saying because of the good things you did or um, even the, um, he's not, he's not saying any of that. He's saying it's because he's saying because of the righteousness of the redeemer, will you be saved and no other reason for the, for thou hast beheld that in the fullness of time, he cometh to bring salvation unto men. And so, again, this is 600 years before Christ, and he's prophesying, he's, he's teaching Jacob that there will be a time, he calls it the fullness time, when a Savior will come um, to bring salvation to man. Um, so, and, and, and in the, I think this is interesting. He says that, um, Lehi says, I know that you will be redeemed. He doesn't say, I hope. He doesn't say, um, you know, may it be thy will. He doesn't say, all he says is, I know that you will be redeemed. And you may say, well, that's because he knows Jacob. He knows that that Jacob has been a good guy. He knows that he believes in God. Um, he knows these things. And so, therefore, he... Um, he knows that he will be redeemed, but that's not what Lehi says. Lehi says he knows that that the Redeemer will come to bring salvation unto men. It has nothing to do with Jacob or even his belief or any. It has to do with that that a Savior will come to bring salvation to men, and that's the hope. And that so the hope is not in Jacob at all, at all. So I think that's an interesting insight that Lehi brings us. Um, and it makes you makes me think like how okay, well who is salvation for? How is salvation obtained? You know, um, you know wh- who um, who can be redeemed? Um, and you know all those questions I think are are kind of can be we can think about in that one verse. Um, and then he goes on into verse four, and thou hast beheld in thy youth his glory. Wherefore, so so no, here's the thing. A lot of people say, well, um, a lot of people who, who talk about these verses will say, well, 
um, Jacob has already, you know, he's seen God and he's seen that he's going to be the, the savior of the world. Um, and so he has, um, in our terms, his, he's had his calling and election made sure he's been, God has, has kind of put a stamp of approval on Jacob. And so he knows that he will be saved. But that's not what Lehi said. Before that, he said that God will come to save him. And therefore, he knows that Jacob will be saved. It has nothing to do with what Jacob has or hasn't seen or what Jacob has or hasn't done. It has everything to do with what God has done for him or will do for him in the, in the fullness of times. Um, he says, Thou art blessed even as they unto whom he shall minister in the flesh. For the, for the Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if the Spirit is the same yesterday, today, and forever, and it teaches us of, the, um, of, of uh, man and his relationship to God, um, like that, that doesn't change. You know, it, it, it's not as if like um, the Garden of Eden didn't work and therefore, God had to come up with a plan B um, or, um, you know, or, or, or um, you know, Christ came because of, of the fall of man. You know, no, this was the plan from the beginning. It is the same yesterday, today and forever. Um, and then he, he says, and the way is prepared from the fall of man and salvation is free. And that, to me, that just reemphasizes what he said before. Salvation is free. It has been prepared for the fall. So God has already prepared a plan for all man to be saved. And it is free. It's a free gift. Um, there's no caveats. There's no nothing. It just says it's free. It's there for you. Um, it has it, it has been prepared from the fall of man. And um, so, um, you know, and I think, that, again, that's an important point. Like, it, it's, it's reiterating this theme that, um, you know, that, that, that God loves all men universally and that he has prepared a way for all men all men, not some, not just a certain race or a certain creed or a certain belief system, all men um, shall be, uh, and salvation is free. And men are instructed sufficiently that they may know good from evil. Okay. And men are instructed sufficiently to, to, that they know good from evil. Well, where does, where does that instruction come from? You know, you, you might you might claim, um, well, Lehi taught Jacob, and so he knows good from bad. He knows the Ten Commandments. He knows not to steal. He knows, you know, not to covet, those types of things. But that's not what Lehi says. Again, Lehi, I think, is a very smart, and he's a precise philosopher. He, he does not get the credit that I think he deserves when we talk about. He says that, and men— all men, because that's what he's talking about. He's not talking about Jacob. He's talking about all men are instructed sufficiently that they know good from evil. Um, 
in our tradition in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we would call that, you know, the the um, the light of Christ. Um, some may believe that before we were born, that that we were taught some of these things, and so we, all men come with a basic understanding of good and evil, um, and and um, and I mean that's a whole other debate. We could talk about that because that that's actually pretty fascinating to think about. Like like if all men come with a basic understanding of not to steal. Um, you know, or, or I shouldn't say not to steal a basic, um, intuitive nature, um, that stealing can turn into a bad <laughs> plan for, for us. And, and the, the, there may be some in like, um, evolutionary scientists that might say, well, if, you know, we, we, humans, as we evolved, you know, we became kind of pack animals and, and we, um, realize that if we start stealing from our neighbors that uh, you know um we might be ostracized which is a death sentence we might be thrown out of the pack um that we may be killed um that there were dire consequences for that and that's been kind of in in um somehow um you know put into our dna and and Fair enough. Like I, I, I don't know. I'm not a scientist. I think I think there's a lot of ways that we can we can talk about that. But, um, you know, and maybe it is you know from parents teaching their children like, you know, to share to you know, uh, don't hit your brother. I mean, there's a lot of things. But 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 this is the thing. Um, he says, and men are sh- we have enough to know good from evil. And the law is given unto men. And by the law, no flesh is justified. So there's a law given. Don't do evil. <laughs> the old Google slogan. Don't do evil, right? Um, and and we'll call that the basic law. Don't do evil. But here's the thing. No man is justified by the law. Because no man is perfect in the law. Um, and so it's actually by the law that we're cut off. And that's what he says. Um, and by the law, no flesh is justified. Or by the law, men are cut, are cut off. So it's in fact the law itself that cuts us off from salvation. It cuts us off from, from um, the presence of God, the Spirit of God, holiness, However, you know, we are all unholy. We are all wicked, um, you know, and, and again, another interesting conversation to what degree and what does that mean? All those things. But, um, but the point is that we're all cut off. Yea, by the temporal law, they're cut off. And also by the spiritual law. In other words, we have this um, looming doom over each of us. And that doom is death the death of the body and the death of the spirit, the separation of, from um, God and man. So those two deaths um, is actually the, the law justifies those deaths. It says the just course of your life is to die, is to die temporally for your body to die and for your spirit to die. Um, 
And so they're cut off, and they perish from that which is good, and become miserable forever. All right, so that's the state that we're in, right? We have these this doom, you know, um, and some people deal with that doom with saying, okay, there is no God, therefore none of it really Nothing really matters, right, Freddie? Um, you know, so there's that way of dealing with it. Um, and probably, honestly, the most intellectually honest way to deal with, with it, um, if, if you don't believe in God, is to say, okay, well, then nothing matters, and that's, that frees me to do whatever I want to. Um, you know, but, but again, we've been instructions su- sufficiently to know good from evil. You know, I believe... I I don't know people's hearts, so I'm not going to, you know, say one way or the other. But for me, um, when I get nihilistic or, or nihilistic or however one might say that, um, I um, know deep inside that there's something wrong with that. Um, anyway, so... Um, so we end... And it makes us miserable, like... It, it 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 makes us um, realize life has no meaning, and I think that's what he means by by miserable, like the loss of meaning. I love Viktor Frankl's Man's Search for Meaning. Um, it's what keeps us alive. What kills us is our loss of meaning, and 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 I think um, you know we see that um, deaths of despair. You know, when people lose hope, they lose themselves in drugs, they lose themselves um, sometimes painfully in suicide. Um, there's a lot of, you know, pain that comes from loss of hope. And, um, and we become miserable forever. And then Lehi says in verse 6, we've only gotten to verse 6. This is, I love it. I just want to tell you, I love this chapter. And we're, anyway, wherefore redemption cometh in and through the Holy Messiah, for he is full of grace and truth. So here we are in this state of utter misery. Life has no meaning. And he and Lehi makes the claim that there is redemption and it comes through the Holy Messiah. For he is full of grace and truth. Verse 7, Behold, he offereth himself a sacrifice for sin to answer the ends of the law. Okay. How, how does the sacrifice, for those of us who are Christian, the sacrifice of God, how does that sacrifice answer the ends of the law? Um, why would the death of God, and I don't mean the death of God in the um, <laughs> modern sense, but I mean, how does the literal death and resurrection of God answer the ends of the law? Um, there is a, 
amazing. Um, he's a, he's a, um, Catholic philosopher and I'm, and I'm going to go look up his name and I'll put it in the show notes, but he talks to you about the idea of triangulation. He talks about the idea that, that, um, that this, this, the, the great myth, um, that, um, Campbell actually talks about, but in, in different terms, but, um, how, how throughout history, man has used scapegoats. So, um, you know, the, the person who wrongs becomes the, um, you know, first of all becomes, he, he wrongs us and then it's turned to where he becomes the victim and then he is sacrificed, sometimes a human sacrifice, sometimes he's ostracized and either way he becomes a scapegoat and it becomes his fault and he is killed and that brings order back to the society and, um, and, um, and then he's revered. So the, the, the person who, who did the wrong ends up being the one who's revered. Okay. And, and this happens, um, this has happened throughout time. Well, it's almost like that. What Christ did is, um, the true version of that, if you will, because here's the difference. The person who was, who was killed in this human sacrifice was wrong. He did do evil. He did, but Christ was sinless. He was innocent. It was innocent blood that was taken. And that makes, that turns that whole myth on its head and um, it becomes a true myth. It becomes a, everything else becomes a caricature, a, a, a puppet version of the real myth of God coming to earth as man being innocently killed and then overcoming that through um, his resurrection. And that's what Lehi says, Behold, he offereth himself a sacrifice for sin to answer the ends of the law unto all those who have a broken heart and a contrite spirit, and unto none else can the ends of the law be answered. So here's the question. So it says, who, how the, the law cannot be answered in any other way Um other than through the sacrifice. And so there's literally nothing that we can do um, to answer the law other than have a broken heart and a contrite spirit. And um, anyway, um, I'm actually, I'm going to, we've got to verse seven, which I think is a pretty long ways to get, to get to in this chapter. There's so much more. And, uh, um, so I'm actually going to stop here and, uh, you know, see how this goes. If you guys like it, we'll do a part two on this chapter and maybe we'll, we'll take on a few other chapters in this, in this great book. But, um, you know, again, I, I want you to, um, think about the truths and think about the things that, that maybe we can learn from the book, um, what's in the book, as opposed to talking about the book. Um, this has been Mike Levitt and you've been listening to, and if love remains. 